Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. You're on the go resource to have faith discussions at home with your friends and with your family. My name is Maya Little Sonia, and I am the youth minister at St. Paul's Episcopal Cathedral in San Diego. I'm Jackie Pippin, and I'm the digital resource curator. Great. So you may notice that David is not with us this week. Um, he is in Kansas City visiting his wife Mary Lynn's family because they had George, the beloved star of our segment, George Pan Van Diagram, um, and they're going to go introduce George to the rest of the family. So he'll be back next week, um, but I guess speaking of George... Jack, Maya, what is the George Pan Van Diagram for anyone that hasn't listened before? Well, I'm very glad you asked, Jackie. <laughs> the George Pan Van Diagram is a short, silly segment at the beginning of each podcast where we find similarities between... The Nation of Japan, where Jackie resides, and George Hyde Tremaine, David's two-month-old son. So, it's a great, great segment, um, but David isn't here. So, Jackie, why don't you give us, uh, give us your Japan fact or something related to Japan? Well, in honor of what we talked about last week, which was? I would like to, which was, uh, I was in California and George was in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I would like to report that I am no longer in California. I am back in Japan, and George is currently not in California. He's in Kansas City. <gasps> Who would have thunk? One week in the same place, one week not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, California. What do the judges say about that one? The judges are shaking their heads. They look ma- not mad, just disappointed, but they approve. <laughs> <laughs> great so that is this week's segment of the george pan venn diagram we all win a prize thank you for listening um and now we talk about jesus christ <laughs> um so this week's uh lectionary reading it's proper 22 the week of october 7th 2018 um we are reading again from mark uh, almost directly after last week's reading and jackie is going to get us with the reading there it's going to be mark 10 through 16. So go ahead, Jackie. Some Pharisees came, and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they no, are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. 
Thank you, Jack. So I've decided that David's point will be one of context. Um, so this is Mark 10, 2 through 16. Uh, the verse, the two verses, or no, the first verse that is excluded um, from the beginning of chapter 10 is, it's just a geological location of where he's gone. It says, he left that place and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. So Jesus once again is on the move. But this is the third week um, that we've heard about little children or little ones. Last week, we heard that Jesus, um, was he in Capernaum, I think, that he said, whoever puts a stumbling block for one of these little ones will believe in me. It'd be better for you. Yeah. Anyway, he goes into this thing about little ones. And then prior to that, he puts a little child amongst the disciples and says, whoever wants to be uh, the first of all will be uh, last of all. Uh, with the child. And so now this week we hear some things with the Pharisees and divorce, which is a fairly contentious, well, I guess less now than it was then topic. And um, children, again, for the third week in a row. Um, this is also the 10th chapter in Mark, which is very interesting that we've heard three times over of a similar theme of little children in Mark. Because as we discussed earlier on the podcast, Mark is the definition of, dang, that escalated quickly. It goes by very quickly. (laughs) Um, And we only have six more chapters left until, you know, the end. Not that end. Anyway, um, six more chapters left. And so we're on chapter 10. And given the haste that Mark usually has, it is fairly surprising that he repeats this um, a few times over. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Jackie's point, which is the point of divorce with the Pharisees in the land beyond Judea. Uh, so I decided to tackle divorce today, which seems like a trap, but I'm, (laughs) I'm I'm gonna try anyway, because divorce is such a big part of this passage that I don't think we can avoid it. No matter how Um, hard we try. No matter how hard we, we try. Uh, and this passage is classic Pharisees, classic Pharisees trying to trip up Jesus um, and they're and they're trying to cite a rule that Moses gave, which allows for divorce to occur. But Jesus, um, I mean, I, I am always in awe of the way that Jesus is able to work his comebacks. It's not like, know. you know, when I see something on Facebook and then a week later, I think of a really good response that I could not have even had. Facebook. I think Facebook, you can Google stuff, you can think about it, but like in person. And then a week yes. later, you're doing like dishes or some menial task. And you're like, oh. Someone's like, what's up? I should have said that. (laughs) So I think that that really applies here. Um, Jesus says that that actually, according to the books of Moses, uh, it's not allowed. And Jesus recalls that God created humankind in God's image. Um, And I think that 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 is something that's hard in a world in which we can recognize recognize um systemic problems in marriages and we can recognize and be honest about domestic violence that occurs and things like that and these and these reasons that seem a strong component for divorce um and so we we pulled up the canons of the episcopal church right what did they have to say and and they shockingly do lay it out pretty nicely um we as a church value marriage and, and it is a sacrament of our church and, and of something that we really believe. However, we also believe in humanity. Um, and so Canon 19 section one says this, 
When marital unity is imperiled by dissension, it shall be the duty, if possible, of either or both parties before taking legal action to lay the matter before a member of clergy. It shall be the duty of such member of clergy to act first to protect and promote the physical and emotional safety of those involved, and only then, if possible, to labor that the parties may be reconciled. And I think that this is important because I think it speaks to a lot of things that are important to us as Episcopalians. Um, One, reconciliation. Can this marriage be reconciled? Mm -hmm. And with that, allowing a priest into your marriage to tend to that, to, to assess your needs, to assess what's happening, and to try to work through that is, I think, really important to your Christian faith. Jesus wants our relationships to include what we believe as Christians and what we believe as a church. And he wants them to be safe and he wants them to be good and something in which we are truly into living as one flesh. Um, and, And Jesus proposes that these fears of our relationship, they're not just our example today is of marriage, but it doesn't just apply to marriage. It applies to all of our relationships in which we are called to have the presence of God. Um, And Jesus brings up this law of God in light of this story of God, because he argues that God's desire um, is for integrity in our relationships always. And, and I think that's important when we, when we talk about divorce and when we talk about times in which our relationships fail, because as long as we are being true to our integrity and to the integrity of what is right and to the integrity of our safety and our personal beings and to the integrity of including Jesus in our life. I think that we are taking a law, taking an old scripture. And in the Episcopal Church, we, we value scripture, tradition, and reason. It's those three legs of a stool of which the Episcopal Church is built. And so we can take this scripture that clearly says that divorce is bad, but we can also take the reason of knowing that God wants to be in our relationships and and is this a God-filled relationship? And we can use that to transform our lives and to let God more fully into our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you did a very eloquent, articulate, you, you expressed clearly what you wanted to say about a really difficult topic. And I really respect you going for that divorce thing, right? For the jugular. So good job. <laughs> I just, yeah, like straight up, I need to say that. Um, so I guess that goes a little bit into my point, which is about verses 13 through 16. Uh, Jesus blesses the little children. So as A4 mentioned, this is Jesus's third time in our reading of the lectionary, um, mentioning little children in the past three weeks. And um, I just think this verse can be taken many different ways because obviously children are very multifaceted and have personalities that are not just, I mean, you could, the way you define little child and how you take it could go a multitude of ways. But I think um, it ultimately speaks to how open children are Um, because I think something that really hinders um, a lot of people's faith, including my own at times, is the need to have proof, a need to have Mm. logic. Um, We're actually doing a series right now with the teens on Wednesday nights, a fall formation series called Does God Exist? 
And the kind of subtitle for that, though, is how, when, where, why does God exist? Because I think it can be really difficult for teenagers and for adults to be confronted with the realities that we live in everyday physical life and then read the Bible or go back to Sunday school and kind of try to match those up because they are from different times. They do have different um, settings and it can be just really hard to reconcile those things and our need for proof especially as adults where when you're a kid you can believe in a bunch of stuff without needing you know scientific empirical evidence but the God is kind of like the last thing where you have that you have absolutely no proof but you are kind of it's it's a big deal obviously because you're basing your worldview your actions in around this thing that you have absolutely no proof it exists. I think also as teenagers in particular, um, for those parents of teenagers and teenagers themselves, it's just very difficult because it's often you're asked as a teenager, where's the proof by other teenagers that are also looking for proof? And there is no proof. And I think to be, you have to be like a little kid where you can accept that it's faith, that it's a trust in, in God and something that's bigger than yourself. Um, and, and Jackie and I were kind of talking about the idea of trust, um, that this dynamic of trust with kids, um, and ideally as people that kind of humble themselves to be kids entering the kingdom, uh, it's one of not just do it because I tell you, um, like when a parent gives instruction, but it's do it because, well, the kids do it because they trust that their parents know what their best interest is. Um, it can be, or playing with your siblings, that's a matter of trust. Um, mm. and mutual respect and belief um, going to school and respecting your teachers and trusting in them and what they have to say um, these are all things that ultimately you don't have to trust anyone but it it kind of closes you off it, it kind of hinders your ability to have this really life-giving relationship with God um, and other people if you're just continually uh, continuously kind of cynical and kind of not necessarily a Debbie Downer per se, but someone who's just always saying no to things, um, which I get because life kind of seasons us that way in a certain respect, especially as we get older. But it just kind of um, eliminates potential for just kind of being open to see how God will move in your life. So that's how I see it. Um, it I love how you just use the phrase seasons us. Because it's it's such a good image of like a great pan. You know, you have a great pan and it's shiny and new and the possibilities are endless. And over time, no matter how good you clean it every time, it, it does become seasoned and it has a layer of stuff on it. And that layer of stuff can make your food taste awesome. And so there is an advantage to seasoning it. Yeah. And it doesn't um, mean it's any less great of a pan. Right. It doesn't mean it's any less great of a pan. Uh, it even, in fact, helps its nonstick properties. But um, it does change it, and it changes the pan. And, and, it, and in some ways, it really helps the pan to be better. Um, and, but This is how we react to, to it. Yes, you it is how we reacted to, to it. I was kind of also thinking after I realized I had said that, because that was just kind of rolled off my tongue, as most things do, um, unfortunately. But also in the last verse that we read last week, it says, for everyone will be salted with fire. And mm. that was something that we had discussed in the last podcast, I believe. But I think salted is kind of like, not just purified, but preserved. And, but kind of like, when you're salted with fire, 
it's almost like um, it's through your trials and your, like we talked about last week, it's through your trials and your falls and that kind of destruction and desolation that you're able to kind of renew and keep moving forward. So I kind of meant like life kind of seasons us to be oftentimes cynical, but it can also season us to, and that isn't necessarily either or, like you can be cynical and then come into faith. But it's a lot more rewarding when you just kind of, I don't know, let go. Because I also think in the footnotes it said of our Bible that we use, is it said, it suggests that receiving the kingdom as a child means receiving it without the ambition to be a figure of authority. And I think he's particularly talking to the disciples and the Pharisees, but I think that speaks a lot to adults where it's we always want to not just in relationship with children but with each other is to have a say in what happens in certain situations but I think it's ultimately a matter of radical acceptance we have to let go and realize okay there is no proof I but there is proof in a way because I see grace with my eyes every day you know and I feel it and that's all I need and it's extremely rewarding for me so I think that's why we should um take Jesus's advice on this one you know well, and, and to that point, like what like what does it mean to take Jesus's advice? And and I think I think a big part of that is having children in church mm-hmm. and bringing children into church. And and I think I think in a lot of ways, sometimes it, it is hard for other parishioners, but I think most of the time it's it's hard for parents. It's hard for parents to bring their children in because in some ways they're distracted from. Uh, from worship but but and I think they're distracted because they worry about their children making noise but I think this is yeah this is such a bible verse that points out that that your children are are supposed to be there more than just welcoming there they're supposed to be there and um if I don't hear that that's when I'll get concerned you know right their presence and their being and their and their noises remind us that this is a living church Mm -hmm. and um and it's it's important. It's important for all of us to have children in the service and to remember to remember what it's like to be a child and Retweet. to also remember how children need to come to Jesus Amen. and to trust him and to trust in that community of believers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, say it louder for the people in the back, but don't cuz then I'll have to edit it so it turns down, but <laughs> That was good. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we're trying to really focus on that at St. Paul's, but I think just any faith community, and I think just community in general, in general, where you have children present, it's it, like Jesus was, it's important to make them visible and to welcome them and not kind of shoo them like the disciples were. Right. So, great. We I have think two we, points. We have 2.5, mind you. <laughs> we have two point David. Because we have, yeah, because we we did his context right. It wasn't particularly uh-huh. a concrete point because this passage is very much two dominant themes versus I don't know perhaps three, I don't know three themes. So we have our themes. The first one I had provided context on behalf of David, and I had said you know this is striking that this is the third time that in a week that we're hearing about children and little ones in Mark's gospel. And then Jackie went on to speak about the importance uh, and value that family of that is placed in on, on family in the Episcopal Church, but also how that means being a family is respecting and upholding uh, and revering the dignity, the safety, 
and the value of every human. And so if it ultimately leads to divorce, um, referencing the scripture and the priests and trusting the church to go through that with you. And it speaks to your life as a Christian and interpreting scripture, like we mentioned with the three-legged stool with uh, reason, tradition, and uh, scripture. So then my point was a little bit about what does it mean to enter the kingdom of God as a child? It's a matter of uh, trust, openness, uh, and Jackie kind of went on to say that it's also a matter of letting kids be visible and, and audible, <laughs> auditory, you know, it's kind of, uh, they're here and we're glad that they're here and that they're joyous noises and visibility, like we have kids here and we're very happy they're here. So I think that's it for this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. We'll be in your ears next week. David will be back next week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, rate and subscribe it on iTunes to help others find it. And um, you can find other weekly faith to go resources to uh, participate in with your family at myfaith2go.org, where there is also a chat function. And if you would like to shoot us a question or a comment, uh, please do so through that and we'll all three members of the faith to go podcast will receive that inquiry um and until then ta-ta for now goodbye